All right. So everyone needs to take a deep breath. Uh, you need to prophetically, like, grab a seatbelt and just kind of put it on real quick. Okay? You need to just ask the Lord to remove all sense of offense that you may carry. Just, like, ask the Lord to take it away from you right now. Um, and we're going to invite up this awesome couple. Why don't you guys come on up real quick? Yeah. Yes, both of you. Yeah. Okay. So, hey, this is... Uh, these are the Sivrites. If you remember when I went to um, Johannesburg in January, um, this couple was brave enough to ask me to come and, and talk at their church. Uh, first time a Mexican had ever stepped play, foot, pro- probably in the entire region, maybe, yeah. Um, and so, um, amazing couple. They serve on the NCMI Apostolic team. They, they travel and do a bit of what we do, but probably maybe a lot more than we do. Um, but just they're leading an amazing church. Uh, you need to pray for their church. They, they have space problems. Um, they, they, uh, they have two packed out services with room for no one. Uh, I've told you guys this, what, what Tony says in his church, listen, if you're a visitor, you have two weeks to either start building with us or go find another church because we don't have space here uh, for people to just warm seats. He says this, right? And I'm like, jeez, Louise, I want I mean, we got space, but I want to get there. So... You guys can't go anywhere. You've been here. so. And, um, but we, we absolutely love this couple. They're leading an awesome church. They, they, they have some awesome offspring uh, who are doing ministry stuff with them. And uh, if you've ever followed this guy on Instagram, you'll see how wild at heart he is, uh, not just with his life, but for Jesus. So if you've ever seen anyone do wheelies on Harleys and surf, if you've ever seen anyone surf a Harley, it's this guy here. Uh, I mean, I'm not kidding you. Surfs Harleys, where full speed, stands up, and goes, and it's awesome. But that's why I love him, and I, I would love for you guys to just receive him, not only as a messenger, but as a brother in this house. Um, so, hey, Tony, uh, and I would love for you to say hi, too. Is that okay? Because yeah. I know he talks a lot. He talks, he does talk a lot. <laughs> um, hello, everyone. It's so good to be here in, is it East L.A.? We in now, hey? so good to be here. Um, you know, we're from uh, Joburg, as you know, and we watch all your American movies, and they're all set around here. So we're going, oh, this looks so familiar. Everything is quite familiar for us because we've, we feel like we know this place kind of through the movies and through stuff like that. But it really is a great pleasure to be here. And uh, I did a little Instagram post just now and while the band was practicing, and it really is amazing because, you know, it doesn't matter. We can be in a different country. It's a different culture here for us. It's a little bit different to what we're used to. Different people, but it's the same amazing Jesus that we serve. And, and when we come into a place like this, we feel that. We feel like we have come home. And I often say to Tony, you know, you could drop me in the middle of China. I'll find God's people. And, um, right. and that's what keeps us all together. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, thanks for going. Take it easy. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> good morning. So Jody did come to South Africa, Johannesburg. I don't know if you know where that is. And he was a little scared. So I said, don't worry, I'll protect you. This is my town. But I did, I'm, not scared, I'm not scared in South Africa. But I did uh, speak to Ezekiel and asked him if I could go to the 7-Eleven across the road there. And I just said, am I safe? <laughs> You, you never know. I, I just, uh, 
Wherever we go, I, I, I was worried now. I was sitting there worrying. Did I lock my car? Didn't I lock my car? Because in South Africa, it could be gone after church. It's a true story. Um, we, we, we live in a really, really dangerous place. It really truly is. Um, we've got electric fences. I've got a gun. We've got electric. We've got beams all over. You never know. You know, in South Africa, you, I even teach my children, when they uh, drive into the uh, driveway at our house, you don't drive right up to the gate because you're a sitting target. You, you, you park on the side of the road, wait for the gate to open, you drive in. That's how we live in Johannesburg. True story. But uh, God is there like He is in no other place on the planet. Really, He lives there. So you're welcome to come and visit us um, if you want to experience God in His fullness. <laughs> just teasing, just teasing. We did have Jody with us. And of course, he was the first uh, a Mexican. I thought that was great. He's my one and only Mexican buddy. I hope to have some, some more. Uh, the church uh, loved him, absolutely loved him. I don't know why they were scared of you or what it was, but they still talk about you. They absolutely loved your message and everything about you. So next time, it would be great to have you there too, Vanessa. And you're welcome to come to South Africa. We will protect you. You don't need to worry. I was in Holland about two months ago. Holland, if you know where that is. And uh, one of the guys said he wants to come to South Africa, but everybody tells him it's too dangerous. It is, it is dangerous, but you're welcome to come. Uh, I don't know if it's any more dangerous than East L.A., but uh, we, we're brothers, aren't we? <laughs> so I have a, a, a message to, to share with you this morning. It is my privilege. Thank you for being here. It really is a privilege. We love America. Um, we really, really do love America. Not everyone does around the world, just so that you know, but we do. <laughs> And it's great, to, it's, great to, it's great to be here. We're having lots and lots of fun in Los Angeles. And then on Friday, we're off to New York. And we're going to go and do a little bit of fun in New York. So, and then we get back to work in Johannesburg. But I have a message to share that uh, you spoke about a uh, touch of Jesus. And I want to talk a little bit about that, Jesus' touch. And I want to ask you to be open to receive from the Lord this morning. Not from me, but from the Lord. Because... You know, often we can get very stale in our walk. We can become dry. And we need to be passionate. We need to be alive. God is alive. And, you know, so He never stagnates or gets uh, uh, stale. And I think sometimes we, um, we need to be filled again with the Spirit of God so we can, we can live wild, in a sense. You're right. I want to live, I lived wild before I came to Jesus, like really wild. Um, in and out of jail as a young boy and all sorts of drugs and stuff. But I don't want to trade that in, if I could say, for something that is boring and dead and lifeless. Not that I was looking for it, but when I received Jesus, it was, that life was nothing compared to what I've received now. But I, wasn't, I didn't sign up for religion. I didn't sign up for boredom. I didn't sign up for a, a, just a, a mediocre get-by kind of life. I signed up for real life. And uh, for 30 years now, I've been following Jesus, and it's as exciting today as it was on the first day. And that's how it should be. And if we're not drinking of the Spirit, I think that's where we can become a bit stale and uh, we, can, we can lose our way. And so I want to encourage you this morning from the Scriptures how we can stay full of God and stay passionate and walking in our purpose and our destiny and get to the end of our lives and we've lived a full life. Because that's the life of a Christian. It's not mediocre. It's not just getting by. It's not escaping. Living the Christian life is a full life with God. And so there's a story of this lady in the book uh, of John, the Gospel of John, um, and Jesus meets her. Now, Jesus, I'm not going to read the whole 
story. I'm just going to read bits of it, but you can look at it later in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 4 onwards. And Jesus is uh, he, he's tired, and He comes to this town called Samaria, and He comes to Jacob's well, and He's thirsty, and there's a Samaritan woman that who, who came there to draw water, and she says, He said to her, He asked her a question, Will you give me a drink? He asked her. And, uh, and she said, well, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You shouldn't be talking to me. You're a Jew. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. So we had racial issues and racial tensions all the way back then. Racial issues aren't something new. It's, it's always happened. It's a strategy of the devil to divide us. And God wants to bring us together because God's people are one. There's no, no, there's no creed. There's no different nationality. There's no different color. There's no different tongue. In God, we all become one, and we need to live like that. And so anyway, they, uh, she says, why are you asking me? And he goes on and he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus is asking her for a drink of water, and he said, if you knew, I would have given you living water. And that's what we're talking about this, uh, this morning. We're going to be talking about living water. And I personally want to be drinking of this well drinking of this fountain every single day. I don't want a day to go by. Um, and then um, he says, if I give you this, you will never thirst. And this water I give you will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she says, please give me this so I won't be thirsty. Then he says to her, go and call your husband. This lady at the well, he says, go and call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus prophetically speaks to her. He says, you, what you're saying is right. You have no husband. The fact is that you've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. And he says this is true. Then he goes on talking to her about true worshipers, and then she leaves him, the well. She runs back to her town, and she says to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So we're going to Look at that. We're going to unpack that portion of Scripture this morning. We don't know her name. Do you know that? We don't know her name. We don't know her age. Yet it was the longest one-on-one conversation that Jesus had recorded in Scripture. He was hot. He was tired. He needed to rest. And he just made one simple request. And are you listening? Are you listening for yourself? What is Jesus saying to you? Because we know that Jesus is always talking. Jesus is talking. God is talking. The question is, are we hearing? Are we listening to what God is saying? And he asked her for a drink. And as I, as I mentioned earlier, she said, well, why are you asking me? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. What he was doing right there, he was crossing racial barriers. Racial barriers. Now, in us, we live in South Africa, and we have a very charged up racial issue there. You know, we come from a... a, a I grew up in, a, in apartheid. I don't know if you know apartheid. But we separated Mexicans. What do you call white people? Gringos. Gringos. Blacks, Indians. We separated all these people. We weren't allowed to mingle. Okay? They separated us. But I was a naughty young guy. Uh, I used to smoke marijuana a lot from the age of about 14. So I mixed with the Mexicans. <laughs> And the Zulus, there was no Mexicans there, I'm sorry. But uh, 
all different cultures that smoked marijuana, we would come together and we broke the law in a sense. God has used that. You know, I'm, why I'm sharing that story with you is God used my sin for His benefit. Now, I was running from the police. I was smoking marijuana. I was against the law. But you know what I, what, what I learned in those times is how to do cross-racial relational building. Where the, the law had separated us, I was naughty. God used that. And our church is a multi, you've been there, a multi-racial church, multicultural church, multinational church, because I didn't let the apartheid system stop me from preaching the gospel or advancing God's kingdom. And so I see Jesus cross racial lines. And we can't let politicians decide for us or separate us, as they did in South Africa. And even in this country, they could be doing that. And I'm not here to talk politics. But we are the church. We don't get our cue from politicians. We are the example. We show them how we can do cross-cultural ministry, how we can love one another. I can have this Mexican brother in my home. He can have this gringo in his home. And I want to say this to you as I say this to our people, to the black folk in our church. I say, when last did you have a white person in your home for a meal? There's, some, there's many, many white people, maybe the majority of white people have never had a black person in their home for a meal. That's ridiculous. But I don't just talk to the white people, I talk to the black people too because I'm, I'm the Archbishop of Four Ways. And I'm allowed to say what I want. So I talk to the black people. I talk to the black people. I said, when did you have a white person in your home? If you haven't, it's ridiculous. We are Christians. We need to be the example. And I'm saying to you, Mexicans, when last did you have a white person in your home? And you white people, when last did you have a Mexican in your home? We need to break these barriers, friends. We need, to, we need to be front-footed. We need to be eating food together and fellowshipping together and doing life together. And so Jesus shows us that example. Is that right? Jesus shows us this example. And just because you live in America doesn't mean you don't have issues. The issue is in the heart of man. We are diseased and we need to be the example. We need to be showing politicians how it's done. Then he crosses the gender barrier. He speaks to a woman. He crosses... The hierarchical bar barrier. There was hierarchy in those days. She was a lady of disrepute, and he was a rabbi, but he broke the cultural lines. He broke the gender lines. He broke the hierarchical lines. You see, in the church, there's, that's the way. If you wonder why we build the way we do, we don't, NCMI and Jody and us, we don't build in such a way. It's, uh, in South Africa, this is what people say of us that work in the ministry is the man of God, the anointed one, the great one, the great teacher. And people all over the world are following preachers. Oh, if you just listen to his message, if you just buy his book, if you just download his podcast, what rubbish is that when we put men or women on a pedestal? That's not kingdom. We are nothing. We are like everybody. We've just got a different role. And so we must be very careful that we don't, or you must be very careful you don't put these pastors or preachers all over the world on pedestals, and they are these special people. They are just like you and me. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom, and Jesus showed us that. Anyway, so we can learn a few things from this story. The, the first one is that Jesus offers her hope. Can you imagine this woman? She had been married five times, 
The man she was living with at the moment wasn't her husband, so she was living in adultery. And another man, she doesn't really know who he is. She didn't know he was the Messiah. Now another man is asking her for water. She's most probably thinking, yeah, whatever. Another man is after me. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful in any way, but you need to look at the story. He's asking for a drink. What else is he going to ask for after that? And so she, he offers her hope. You see, he offers her something. Christianity is not about what we do. It's about what we receive. And so often we're caught up in, in works. We're caught up in what can we do. But Christianity, in essence, is what we receive from Jesus. He offers her hope. You ever found yourself leaning hope? I don't know what your past is. I don't know what you did last week. I don't know what you did yesterday. I don't know what you did last night. Who knows? Only God knows. But we need hope. I've got this uh, friend in our church. Got, he, he's been in our church for almost two years. He's, uh, he's very connected with the underworld in South Africa. Very much a, a, a South African gangster underworld. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating here. I'm actually trying to play it down. You, you met him. But he's very connected. And anyway, he came to our church about two years ago, and he loved it. And he's, he's got saved, I don't know how many times. Every time I throw out the net and say, anybody want to come to Jesus? He sits at the back there, and he throws his hand up every time. But you know, I was, he, he, was, he was always involved. He's, he's, a, he's a big guy, massive big guy. And he's always been involved in, in fighting. Now, South Africa is a very aggressive nation. I, I don't know if you have much road rage here in, South Af- in, in America, but road rage in South Africa is the norm. You know, every second is people getting out their car and they want to beat each other. There's something wrong with our, our country. We, we need help. You need to pray for us. <laughs> really. But uh, anyway, he's involved in all these things. He had a, 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 he had a, a fight with another guy in a gym. You know, we're doing weights, and he was, he was expelled from that gym. Lifetime. I don't know about your church. I lead a very exciting, strange church with some interesting people. He was banned from the gym for lifetime. Never allowed back in there. I was in the restaurant about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I was in a restaurant with this brother who's a Christian now, and I'm sitting with him, and he looks over my shoulder. Guess who he sees? That same guy there that had a problem in the gym. And he sees him there, and he says, I'm going to go talk to him. He needs to learn a lesson. And I say, just relax. Let's have a, a coffee. Let's have a lunch. Let's just relax. Anyway, it didn't last about 10 seconds. He's up there. He's over the table. He knocks his drink. He says, yeah, come now. You want, you want to? This is a Christian. This is a guy in our church. It's like, I'm sitting there, I don't know what to do. I've got my phone out, I put it on reverse, and I'm watching this. Well, what should I do here, you know? Anyway, it all turned out good. This guy got up, he ran out of the restaurant, he left. I mean, I was worried that I was going to be in the, in the newspaper headlines, Pastor Tony in fight in the restaurant, you know, I wasn't even involved. Anyway, what happened is, a few weeks later, I was preaching about forgiving or forgiveness. And, uh, and choosing your battles and, uh, and, and stuff like this. And he was, he was sitting in the back there and he was so convicted by God. And as a, he said to me, phoned me straight off the meeting, 8 o'clock meeting, and said, were you talking about me and about that incident at the restaurant? I said, 
I was just speaking the Word of God. And we need to not hold grudges and bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts towards people. We need to release them. He said, well, it was so directed at me, I think I must come back to the 10 o'clock meeting because it was so good. I wasn't even really thinking about him. But he got hope from that. That's the illustration I'm trying to... I gave you that whole story because wherever he goes, ask my wife, wherever he goes, he's so well known in South Africa. He's actually known, yeah, he played football for, uh, in Los Angeles, spent uh, four years playing soccer. Wherever he goes, when I sit with him having lunch, people walk past us, they look at us like this, like disgustingly, and they walk past. It's like, you don't even know him, you don't even know me. But just because I'm in his company, you're looking at me with disgust as well. And I don't mind that, because Jesus was found with the disgusting people. And I don't mind being found with the disgusting people. And I gave them hope. We sat again. I said, we need to phone this other guy. We need to reconcile. We need to make right. Because this is what Christians do now. We don't fight and not make up. So I phoned this man. And I said to him, listen, I was in the restaurant, and I'm his pastor, and I want to apologize for his behavior. And next time you see him, he's going to apologize to you. And it happened a few weeks after that. They met up in this town, because our town is not so big, and they, he apologized, and now they made up. Isn't that a beautiful story? It might not be a nice story, <laughs> what led up to it, but I love this, the fact that it's reconciled. And just pr- pray for him that he doesn't fight anymore. Okay. But he was received, he received so much hope, just like that woman. Now, I don't know, you maybe, you maybe grow, grew up squeaky clean. Maybe you did nothing wrong in your, all your life, and you just were so perfect, and you grew up in a Christian home, and you never did anything wrong. Guess what? Most of us did lots of things wrong. So when we come into the church, we feel guilty. We feel condemned, and we feel rejected by many of you Christians. You know that? A guy like him, when he walks into the church, because we are so, we're so churchified. We're so over-churched. We become like the older brother and the younger brothers who come messy. Our church is a mess. You met some of them. We've got all sorts. We've got a whole bunch of bikini models in our church now. They don't come to church in their bikinis. I mean, we don't allow that. Okay? We don't allow that because uh, that would be very distracting. I mean, the guys would be worshiping the Lord and, and looking elsewhere. Oh, you shouldn't talk like that, Tony. This is church. This is reality. Let's be honest. But those ladies, even they feel sometimes like, because of what I do, I compete in my bikini, and the church people think that's disgusting. Maybe you do, I don't know. Maybe you don't think it's right, but can we wait, if you don't think it's right, can we wait for these people to at least come to Christ before we condemn them, before we judge them, before we criticize them? Let them come to Christ first. Then, instead of criticizing, judging, and hurting them, maybe come alongside of them and say, maybe it's not appropriate. I don't know. But so often we're so quick to judge before we accept. We want people to behave before they belong. And I think we need, to, we need to just, our church doors are open. They, it, our church is messy. You can come as you are. Come as you are. I don't know how many people are sitting in our church on a Sunday morning who maybe are still on a high from snorting cocaine the night before. I don't know. I don't think it's good to do that. Well, I think it's silly to do that. 
But what, we stand at the door and say, did you snort cocaine last night? Okay, out yeah, you can't come in. No, no, we want them to come in. Come in. We, but we say, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Friends, we need to open our doors to all sorts of people. And it does get messy, but I, I love messy church. I think it's great. So you and I, we might be overchurched, and we don't even realize that we are thirsty. We don't even realize. And Jesus is trying to communicate with us. You know, what happens is we fill this thirst. Every one of us human beings have been created in this way where we thirst. There's a, there's a, a deep soul thirst that we have, and, and we know only Jesus can quench that. Many of us have tried to quench it with drugs. Many of us have tried to quench it with alcohol or sex or pursuing a career or running after money. But we know that all those things, they leave us empty. Only Jesus can settle that quench, that desirable quench that drives us. And so we see that Jesus offers a hope. We see This is a wonderful picture of how God shares with every single human being. He offers her this gift. Now, you might be here this morning. You've received Jesus as your Savior because Jesus offered this gift to you, this gift of eternal life. You might be sitting here this morning. You don't know. You, you haven't even crossed the line of faith yet. I'm trusting that when I pray at the end of the meeting, you will say, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. If you're a member of this church, I want to tell you that I think, humbly, I want to submit this to you. Your responsibility is to reach lost people. Are you inviting them to church on a Sunday? Are you inviting them to a home group on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday night? You and I, friends, it's not my responsibility. If I was talking to my church now, it's not my responsibility to reach lost people alone. It's our collective responsibility. You know people I don't know. If I was your pastor, you know people I will never meet, but bring them to the house of God where there's anointed worship, which fantastic worship, where the Spirit of God can touch them, where they can hear the preaching of God's Word, they can get convicted by the Holy Spirit, and we're trusting, hopefully, at the end of the meeting, they'll receive Christ as their Savior. It's not the only way, but it's a, it's a way we use. But you need to be bringing your friends. You need to be inviting them. A lot of them are hope. They just need hope. I remember when this gift was offered to me. The first, when I got saved. This gift of eternal life, this water was offered to me. I was living this crazy wild life. And this friend of mine invited me to church. An old school friend invited me to church. I, can't, I don't know why I went to church. It's like I didn't want to go to church. I've never been to church. I didn't want to hang with Christians because they were weird. They were weak and weird. That was my impression. Honestly, I didn't want to hang with Christians. I was having a nice night partying. And this friend invited me to church. I don't know why I went to church. Her father was preaching. And I sat at the back there, and I was still hungover. I was still hungover from the night before I'd been partying. And I, he got me up early, and I stumbled out of bed, went to church, and I walked into this church. When her father got up to speak, it was... My soul was leaning into every word. It was amazing. He was speaking. It was as if I was the only person in that meeting. He was speaking directly into my heart. I had to surrender. 
I didn't even know why I was at church. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want God. I didn't, I didn't need anything. Anyway, I went to church. And the preaching of the word convicted me. And I surrendered right there. Got saved. This is 30 years ago. I've never been the same again. And I never want to be the same again. It's a gift. I had a collision with God. He says, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. I don't thirst for anything, friends. He is enough for me. That Jesus is enough for me. I don't need anything. Jesus speaks to this lady. And he's speaking to you today as well. He's speaking to you and I. He speaks to this lady the truth and love. He shows her the picture of her past. Go and fetch your husband. Jesus knew already. He's trying to bring it out. Go and fetch your husband. She says, I have no husband. He says, that's true. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. He knew that. But it's the way he presents the gospel. He is, she's caught in adultery. In those days, women like that were stoned to death. He catches in adultery, and he extends grace and mercy and kindness to her. I don't know if you know. What would you now do? What would this church do, Restoration Alley do? No disrespect to you. What would Four Ways Community Church do if a woman came in like that? And we all knew her in town. She had had five husbands and the man she would... Would we let her in the doors? Would we judge her? Would we let her sit next to us? Would we look down on her? Look at this woman. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't do that. How dare you and I do that? How dare we judge anybody? How dare we look down our noses at people who are caught in sin? It's not our job, friends. If you've been, lived a sinful life, you know that. She needed mercy and kindness and grace, not self-righteous, pharisaical Christian attitudes. I remember a lady in our church. She actually knew me before I was a Christian. And her mother told her that uh, I was a pastor. She knew me before I was a pastor, or Christian. Her mother told her, you know what? Tony's a pastor. She said, rubbish. (laughs) We're going to go visit that church, and I want to see how he's fooling these people, because I know him. Anyway, she came to our church. She got saved, sitting there, second row. We didn't even throw out the gospel. At the end of the meeting, the, the, the next week, she said, you know what happened? Last week, when I came to church, this is what her attitude. If, if they lift their hands, I'm out of here. If anybody wants to pray over me, I'm out of here. Don't come near me. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't pray for me. I just want to see what Tony's doing. That was her attitude. She got saved in the meeting without even the gospel presentation. That same lady, about uh, two years after her being saved, she was sitting in the congregation. One of these men came into, uh, one of the men in our church came up and he said he had a prophetic word. And he said this, he said, there's a lady in this congregation, you had an abortion, whenever it was. And God wants to say that he forgives you and you need to forgive yourself. That lady came at the end of the meeting. She walked down the, she was Tears were streaming down her face. She came to see us. She said, that was me. And she told us a story about the abortion. Friends, what would we do with a lady like that? Jesus welcomed her. 
Jesus saved her. Jesus sent a man to come up to the pulpit and speak a prophetic word to her. Isn't that kind? Isn't that beautiful? That's the gospel, friends. But you know, I don't know what we would have done. Maybe not you. I don't know what our church would have done in four ways. Maybe if they knew that story, they would say, whoa, hang on. How could you do that? That's disgusting. That's murder. How could you do that? Instead of receiving her, loving her, not accepting her son, her sin, but embracing her. And that's how Jesus does it for us. I think it's a, such a beautiful story. Jesus reveals to her as well that he can see everything. When he said, go fetch your husband, he already knew, so he revealed to her his all-seen eyes. And Jesus is speaking to you this morning. He's saying he knows everything. He sees everything. And he's saying, stop hiding and stop running. Because we don't know what you do. You don't know what I do in the dark. I don't know what you do in the dark. You can come to church on a Sunday morning and you can clap hands. And when Jody at the end says, praise Jesus, you lift your hands and you clap. Who knows what you do the rest of the week? I don't know. Jesus is saying this to you and to me. It's time to stop hiding. It's time to stop lying. It's time to stop cheating. It's time to stop running and come to Him. That could be for one of you. It could be for many of us. But we need to live lives that are transparent, friends. Not perfect. Not perfect. But we need to stop running and stop hiding. And let me close with this. To say, this lady, she ran back to her town. And she said to the people there, come and meet. We, I think he's the Messiah. Come and meet this man that told me everything about my life. You know what it says in the scriptures? That many in that town became Christ followers. She became the first female evangelist, I think recorded in scripture. A whole town. She impacted a whole town. You and I could have looked at her you disgusting woman, you've been married so many times, now you're living in adultery, what kind of woman are you? Jesus doesn't do that. He looks at the potential, and he touches her, she goes and impacts a whole town. Isn't that beautiful? I think that's amazing. This is the first person that Jesus revealed himself to as a, as a Messiah. It's the first person recorded in Scripture that Jesus revealed himself to as Messiah. An adulterous woman who had a number of husbands, living with a man. She was even a Samaritan, despised by the Jews, and yet Jesus draws her. There's hope for every single one of us. Every, even that buddy of mine that fights all the time. There was hope. There's hope for him. There's hope, there was hope for me. There was hope for this woman. There's hope for you, friends. Every single one of us there is hope for. And so I want to ask you this morning, will you receive the Messiah? I want to ask you this morning, would you repent of your sin and receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? If you're thirsty, will you come? Will you come? Thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. Um, I've enjoyed myself. But I would love to pray with you. If one person this morning receives Christ, if one person receives hope, that gives me so much joy. Just one of you. I've seen some friends here from Seattle. I've seen, a lot of, I've seen so many South Africans in America. It's like, what's going on here? 
Is it, is it a sign for me? No, I'm not coming to America. Okay? I love South Africa. I'll just come visit you. Jody, I'm not coming here. Unless the Lord calls me, as He has many others. Are we going to sing, or are you just going to play? Yeah, that's good. Play, go for it. Go for it. So, I would love to pray with you. Would you close your eyes with me? Let's, let's pray. Father, we, we just come this morning. Lord, we, we've got nothing to offer you. We've got nothing to offer you, but as this woman, you came to give to her. So, Lord, it would be my privilege to pray for one, two, three, whoever in this place. Friend, if you are here this morning and you don't know God, and you say, Tony, please pray for me. Friend, it would be my absolute privilege. God sent me all the way from South Africa just to pray for you. It would be an absolute privilege. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe you, you did cross the line of faith once, and you're far from God now. You're thirsty, and you're filling up with other stuff but the living water. Maybe you've caught yourself. You just caught up in a, in a, in a web of sin. You just got strongholds and addictions and all sorts of problems, and you want to be delivered this morning. Friend, it would be my privilege to pray for you. And so, while we just have our heads bowed, if you're here this morning and you say, Tony, would you please pray for me? I would, and I will, and it will be my privilege, but I just need to see who I'm praying for. Is there anyone? Would you just lift your hand up, indicate? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you at the back there. Thank you at the back. My privilege to pray for you. Father, anyone else? Maybe just say thank you, man. Anyone else? Just want to respond this morning. Father, I want to pray for these precious people that put their hand up to you. Father, I want to include those that maybe didn't lift their hand up, but you're sitting here, friend, and you didn't put your hand up but in your heart you're saying, Lord, please, will you touch me? I'm praying for you too. Father, my prayer this morning is that you'd reveal yourself to these precious people in a new dynamic way, Lord, that will be life-changing. If I just go back to the 30 years ago when I met you, Lord, it was life-altering, life-changing. You gave me purpose. You gave me destiny. You gave me a reason to really live. Father, I pray that for these precious people that responded this morning, that you'd reveal yourself in this new, dynamic, amazing way, that they'll become passionate followers of Christ, not living mediocre, sinful lives, but passionate, Christ-following lives. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. I pray for this whole church, Lord. Jody and Vanessa and the leadership team. I pray, Father, that you would just come with your spirit and pour out your spirit upon them. Father, give them a, a new zeal and a new passion and a new, uh, a new uh, just breathe new evangelism upon this place, Lord, that every single one will just have a new passion to see lost people come to Christ. Bless them, Lord. Keep them and protect them. But use them to advance your kingdom, we pray, Father. In 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Well done, Tony. Thank you so much, man. You guys stirred? You guys stirred? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, um, if, if you responded to that prayer, and uh, I think there should be some, if, if you said yes to Jesus specifically today and accepted Christ as your Savior this morning, I, w- I would love for you to come up and let someone know. Uh, that's one of the first responses is, is we need to uh, confess our faith, you know, be able to share with people that you've received Christ. This does two things. Number one, it stirs your faith and gets you activated. Number two, it lets us know how we can come alongside of you, how we can stand with you, how we can um, na- help navigate uh, you in these early se- this early season of your life with Jesus. And uh, it's really important. But also, if you need any other prayer, we're going to have some elders up here, um, Steve, um, Ken. If you need prayer um, or if you need anything else in, in the ways of ministry, please um, come on up and we want to be able to uh, minister to you as you need. So, um, is God good? Awesome. Um, so, hey, thank you so much, Steve for being here. Mark, Christy, you guys did an outstanding job. Um, if, if you talk to anyone with an accent in the room, please give them a big hug because they are special to us. Um, and so that's a good thing. 